Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. What's up, Chad? What's up, Jack? How's it going? Good. Good. Just listening about your your busy, busy ministry life. Of yeah, well, you were just boring parties. me about your busy, busy gym life. <laughs> <laughs> How much can you yeah. squat now, bro? Hey, uh, that's for me to know. No, one does no you just told me 250. Well, for, yeah, five sets of five. I don't know what I can actually do is like one time. I haven't done that. You're before. a five by five guy, huh? Right now, yeah, I'm on that. I'm on that five by five uh, kick. Okay, you know, do that for a while until that plateaus, and then try something else. I did one. It was a five by five, but your last set, you max. No, it was a three by five. Mm. So you do two sets of five, and whatever your weight is, and then the next, your third set, you mm. you go as hard as you can. As many reps as possible. As many reps, okay. And then when depending, you said max, I was like, do you change the weight? You're no, you just keep the weight. Reps, max reps. And then if you get a certain amount of reps, mm-hmm. let's say 20, yeah. you go up five pounds. If you get a certain amount of reps, you stay. Mm-hmm. And if you get a certain amount of reps, you go down. Yeah. If you only get like three, right? Yeah. Because you should bare minimum be able to do it five by five. But dude, that will get you strong. Yeah. And it will tax you. Mm-hmm. It's You do it with deadlift, squat, bench and push press mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i can see that for sure yeah the research behind the whole five by five stuff it's you know crossfit a lot of different people use it mike and i were talking about it it's because you kind of warm up the first set mm-hmm. and then you have like three really good sets and then that last set is you're, you're doing it as you're tired which is when you really grow do you have a set interval of rest uh like amount of time yeah interval yeah, about a minute time. Yeah, but I don't have. I don't like. So you just kind of go whenever, okay? But I, you're not very pretty, scientific it's about it. It's pretty quick. It's it's not like uh, sit there for an hour. Because y'all got three guys, so you probably just go, go, yeah, go. Yeah, now your turn. Yeah, kind of a rotation. Okay, so this is kind of like a take or leave it, but you, I'm, you're already taking it. So all right, what? Why do you spend so much time in the gym? What is your why behind it? Mm. Uh, honestly, health and especially mental health. That's my biggest why. Mental They're, health. Yeah, because. What we do, you know, in ministry and many other people who who work have the same, you know, type of stressors. But, like, most of my stress is mental, right? Like, it's I don't work a job where I'm, like, out slaving away, you know, lifting stuff. And, yeah. you know, like a farmer or, a you know, a factory worker. You don't have like an that. honest day's work. <laughs> I got to fake work. <laughs> I say it all the time. Like, my work is all mental, so I got to go fake work for an hour. Right. So, because we're designed to move, God's made our bodies, and there's so much research. You know, even we use in counseling when people struggle with depression, anxiety. A lot of times, it's because they they don't move. They don't yeah. actually use their bodies. And then when they get depressed, they don't even want to move more. Exactly. So it's like a self fulfilling prophecy. Right. And so when you're when you're bogged down with just stress and tasks and things that are going on, you know, uh, which are all good things to do. Uh, it's good, like the natural way that your body releases stress and all that stuff is through exercise and things mm. of that nature. So, for me, <clears throat> I feel the healthiest. I'm I'm most alert. I'm I'm a better pastor, dad, you know, uh, husband, friend when I when I hit the gym hard about five days a week to to get all the the energy that's stored up out. All the but isn't that out. interesting that the best way to relieve stress is mm-hmm. to go. Do something that doesn't require any mental energy. Yeah. Like think about if you're a laborer in the fields or in the factories or Mm -hmm. whatever, you don't have any mental stress, but yet you're able to remove all your mental stress. Well, the Lord, it's funny how God made it that way because work was always good. Before the fall, work was a good thing. You know, uh, he was, Adam was tasked with, you know, taking dominion and cultivating and working the garden, if you will. And it was a good thing. It didn't have any of the, the hardship with it. You know, the curse brought the hardship. So God designed us to work, our bodies to move. And all the research now shows that that's naturally, you know, drops out dopamines and serotonins and all the things that kind of flush out 
stress and make you feel good you know you've heard of the things like runner's high and all that kind of stuff like when you push your body yeah you feel like clear-headed and and good you know you feel you feel good and so um so for me that's that's why you know do i i enjoy i enjoy lifting heavy and all that kind of stuff like goals like that that's fun for me but those are just like little games within the would game. you do it if you had to do it by yourself every day yeah still mm-hmm. but you do it with people yeah it's it's also kind of a dual thing for me here at nehemiah since we have our own gym uh a couple of our our intern guys that i'm investing in they like to work out too with me so it's like it's a good time of just talking and bonding and hanging out with them yeah so that's that's that but there's a lot of days they can't or they're you know they got other things they have to do and I, i've only got a certain window so i'll go down there by myself and knock it out too mm. but it's more fun with friends for sure I mean, just to go down the conspiracy train, not really conspiracy, but <laughs> imagination train. Yeah. If you think about, like, what was the human race like before the fall? Because mm-hmm. it says you work, and then after the fall, God cursed man and woman. Man, you would work the fields by the sweat of your brow. Mm-hmm. Basically, like, I don't know if he changed the work that they were to do, but just changed the fact that it would then make them tired. And so Maybe. if we had the same bodies back then, they just didn't get tired. And they were probably a lot stronger. So it's basically HGH. It's basically <laughs> more than that. It's basically supernatural strength. For sure. Because, uh, That I could mean, be true. And that's probably how they built all these big things that we don't know how they built, like Stonehenge, oh gosh, the pyramids. <laughs> Warning, just, this is just not biblical. think about it. This is no longer biblical. When, <laughs> this is not biblical, no. This right. is extra biblical. But... It's interesting to think about when Adam sinned, he didn't immediately have all the effects of sin. Case in point, he lived to a thousand years old almost. Mm, And so, and so did a lot of the generations after him. Mm -hmm. So with the slow decline of their bodies, so was the slow decline of their strength, their mental faculties. They, They were probably way smarter and way stronger and way faster and maybe even way bigger. I don't know. You don't necessarily need to be bigger. An ant's pretty strong. Yeah. Like, what if we were five times the strength we are now back then? Could be. And five times smarter. Well, the atmosphere was definitely different. That you can see biblically. You know, it had never rained before. You know, all that kind of stuff. It was sometimes I feel like people are more opposed to the scientific yeah. than, than just, the fan- I'm just hypothesizing. Right now. But yeah, they say, yeah, that atmosphere was It, it would have been thicker. You know, and, and more of like a mist that everything was growing that way, and which would have blocked the sun more. Which that you know, a lot of science now shows like the sun ages you know, us, ages us, and stuff. So well, also, how you think dinosaurs were around? You can't make a lizard that big in this environment. Mm-hmm. It requires heavy amounts of oxygen, right? So, and how would they have gotten extinct? Not from an asteroid hitting, from something called a flood. Well, and also after the flood, because there were dinosaurs on the ark, there should have been. Yeah, I mean, we still have some there. They're like that turtles, alligators. There's there's some ancestors there. Well, yeah, but the reason they didn't continue to exist so so large is because the atmosphere the changed. Environment, yeah. Which wow. uh, the other thing too is the ark experience. One of their like I never thought about this before, but it makes complete sense. Because there's I was like, how would you get all the animals on the ark? Baby arcs, baby <laughs> baby animals, <laughs> right? Which that would explain how you would get, you know, smaller lizards and yep. things. And then you go find some dinosaurs and just get one kind because it's not every animal. It's every kind. Mm-hmm. You just get one kind and you get the babies. Mm-hmm. Boom. Yeah, that makes sense. Elephants, baby elephants. Anyway, good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we just took a road down Josh's mind. Memory lane. <laughs> I do think about these things all the time. I don't doubt it. Not and then I'll just stop thinking and I'll just like talk about it to myself. Yeah. You ever talk out loud to yourself? Nope. All right, let's move on. <laughs> that would be a marker of insanity. Okay, first or second topic for take it or leave it. Whatever, bro. What was that look you just gave me? <laughs> I wasn't saying that to you. That's know, the top, it's quotations. I know, but I even like hate that, that phrasing. Why do you hate it? I don't know. Might be indicative of the topic. <laughs> All right, I'll take it. I wanted it to sting a little bit because the topic is sarcasm. Ah, wasn't mm-hmm. it sarcastic? Mm-hmm. When you hear that from whatever, bro, makes you want to just slap them. Yeah, because it's not whatever. It's it's whatever you 
really want to happen, but you're passive aggressively. Yeah. But let's talk about sarcasm. Um, is it inherently bad? And uh, is it okay? Let's. I want to gear it because there's such a big topic. Gear it more towards. Yeah, this is like a whole episode. Topic. This could be, yes. I think we did cover this at some point in the past. Yeah. So right now there are a ton of like Instagram accounts, uh, YouTube channels, what have you, mm-hmm. that are addressing a lot of the disunity in the church or some of the issues cropping up in the church. Um, and they're using sarcasm and um, satire. Mm-hmm. Which I don't know if those things are exactly the same. I think satire uses a lot of sarcasm, but yeah, and I don't think satire is actually effective. So, well, hey, don't jump anyway, right to the sorry. end of the thing. Sorry, I got thoughts on it. <laughs> Here's the question, though: yeah. Is it okay? Like, first of all, sarcasm, mm-hmm. good, bad, indifferent. Is it just the heart behind it? And then, secondly, should Christians, even though satire you say may not be effective, should we love? Yeah, and take joy in the satire mm-hmm. as most of us do. It's funny, right? right? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, you know, I'll acknowledge that. But I think it's, I think it's uh, unhelpful, and and a lot of times irresponsible. Here's why: there's been a lot of research too on satire in just the world. You know, um, satire is used as a way to like bring a hard topic to the surface, but make it more palatable for everyone. And it actually does the opposite of what you want it to do. It doesn't actually warn anyone or make anyone want to change what's the topic or change what they're seeing. It makes it more acceptable. It makes it funny. Mm-hmm. And it lessens it. And and then it allows it to live. It's I think it's one of Satan's greatest tricks. I mean, you think about Saturday Night Live, for instance. All they do is satire, you know, which is funny. And a lot of times they're bringing in political agendas and all this stuff to try to like make a point. And it, all it does is make you think something stupid and funny and you move on. You, don't yeah. even, you do nothing about it. You think it. the same for stand-up comedians? Yeah, I think it can be. It can be. And that, now, I'll say there's a place for you know joking and having fun. Don't get me wrong. But if you're trying to – what I'm trying to say is if you're trying to use satire as a way to make a point – which is what satire is for usually to take something that's difficult to talk about and make it where we can have a conversation about it. Yeah. It doesn't actually do that. Right. It actually makes it more acceptable. The mm-hmm. thing that you're trying to talk about. So if you're trying to actually change something or make a point or bring something to the surface, like it needs to be talked about honestly and genuinely, not, not sat, not using satire for it. Well, I don't know. I think within your argument, which I think is valid, you I don't I just don't think people are doing it right. I don't think SNL does it the right way. Well, there's a whole book, I forget which book for Malcolm Gladwell that this is in where he does a whole it might have been on his podcast. He did a whole study and looked at multiple different Yeah, he looked situations. at Israel and the way they use satire. This was a podcast. Oh, was it a podcast? It was okay, uh, revisionist podcast. history. Yeah, yeah. And he shows a clip or plays a clip mm-hmm. from a, you know, kind of like an SNL from Israel. Yeah. And do they, I forget what they were talking They were talking about like the prime minister at the time. Yeah. And I think it was a liberal show and the, um, the prime minister was very conservative. And so they were bringing to light some of the stuff he did and they were harsh. Yeah. Like they didn't pull any punches. And so what he was saying is like, if you're going to do it right, do it like this. Right, but then then I would say that's not really a biblical way to approach topics. Mm, just being harsh? So we're talking about the world, how they would do it. Now let's go into biblical, because you asked the question hey, about Jewish, man. biblical sites. They're the chosen people. Yeah, well, they all, they're not all believers, though. They're not all <laughs> messianic, right? Um, and so <clears throat> a few places just to look at Scripture. I'll just read the Scriptures, and then this will help us navigate how we should respond as believers, right? Mm-hmm. But... Ephesians 4, uh, verse 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as, as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Uh, verse 32, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. You go over to uh, Ephesians, sorry, I'm using my phone at the moment. I don't know why I did this. It like shot somewhere else. I've been there. 
Ephesians 5 is where I'm trying to go now. I don't know why it's... Um, there we go. Just scroll, man. Just scroll down. Yeah, sorry. Um, Ephesians 5, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, fragrant offering and sacrifice. Then it says, verse 4, Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Um, and then um, when you look at 1 Corinthians 13, uh, well, let me go back to Ephesians 4, the first part of it, when he talks about the church, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And then he goes on to talk about the gifts to the church, the apostles, prophets, evangelists. Then he talks about the purpose is that they would equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body until we all attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And then he goes on to talk about rather instead of, so uh, that you may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried around by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning or by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head in Christ. And, uh, and, and it talks about at the end there, um, verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And then the famous love passage, 1 Corinthians 13, when it talks about love, and this agape love, Christ-like love, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. I read all those passages, and you can go look those up for yourself. Those are Ephesians 4, Ephesians 5, 1 Corinthians 13. And here's the point. Speaking the truth in love always looks like patience, gentleness, wanting God's glory and the good of the other person. Sarcasm is rooted in the things that this warns against in 1 Corinthians 13. That love does not envy or boast. Definition of sarcasm is the use of irony to mock or convey contempt. It's not arrogant or rude, right? It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. These are the things that kind of mark sarcasm, like you said. Yeah. And so there's rarely, if ever, it's much like anger, for instance. If you're using sarcasm on a regular basis, assume that it's sinful and wrong, because it probably is. Is there a moment, Can because people do this all the time, well, Christ kind of used sarcasm with the Pharisees and stuff. Well, yeah, he's Jesus. He also got angry and flipped over tables, but you should assume your anger is probably not righteous anger. Yeah. <laughs> Especially how you're using it. Can you ask a question in a, such a way that can seem sarcastic, but you're trying to make a point? Possibly. And can you do that purely and then get and help someone see something? Possibly. But habitually sarcasm is sinful and for us as christians we shouldn't be using satire to try to make points we should be speaking honestly genuinely pointedly speaking the truth in love for the purpose of building up the body of christ when we see these things happen in other churches we shouldn't be making fun of false teachers we should be calling them out yeah and that's what happens a lot of times on those satire sites well i think that definition of sarcasm what you're trying to use and could be used correctly is irony. Yeah. Irony does, it's a figure of speech that you say the opposite of what is meant to bring to light. It's like a comparison, right? right? When you compare two opposite things, I mean, that's not irony, but right. that comparison helps draw light to what is. But it's important. one thing to make an ironic statement and then follow it up with genuine truth versus a whole thing that's just ironic without ever yeah. saying what's true. It's like when Jesus said, have you not read? Right. And then he goes on to explain what exactly. they haven't read or what exactly. he knows they have read. That's a totally different thing. That's that's being uh, upfront. That's being genuine. 
that's not passive aggressivity. Right. That's not sarcasm. That's mm-hmm. not irony and satire. That's asking a question that reveals the truth and then talking about the truth. Right. It's teaching. Right. It'd be like me saying, don't you know, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think now. I don't have a specific example. Do you even teacher. lift? <laughs> no, not, like, not about that. I'm talking about a false teacher. Like basically I'm saying, I know you lift, but you don't live good enough. <laughs> I'm derailing us. <laughs> You're def- definitely derailing the point here. But I mean, like saying, um, do you, you know, does Stephen Furtick even read the Bible? Mm-hmm. Here, here's why I'm saying this. Because here's what he's, here's what he preaches and it's not accurate. It's not right. true. Therefore, by definition, he's a false teacher that you should be warned against. Yeah. Like that should be the conversation. Not, you know, Preachers and sneakers. You know, is it like if I were to say, "Oh, Stephen Furtick spends more time cleaning his sneakers than reading his Bible." Period. And then, right? They or move or on. those satire sites are like, like, uh, you know, to be a megachurch pastor, you gotta you gotta have the best Jordans. Ha <laughs> ha. Right. What does that mean? Like, what are you trying to say? Mm-hmm. And are you too cowardly to actually say what you mean? Because that's the other side of it. Well, I think they probably believe because I think of like the Babylon B. They're probably like, well, we're already funny guys, so this is a strength of ours. And this stuff's already being said a million different ways, so we're saying it differently. We're breaking through the the white noise, and we're getting the signal through. I think it just makes a mockery, and it makes it easier for Christians to just laugh off things that are not laughable. Mm -hmm. Honestly. That's a good point, because it takes the sting of the outrage away. Yeah. But we should should be be outraged. outraged. You should be outraged. We agree on that, at least. And not, and but we shouldn't respond with outrage, like anger, sinfully. We should respond by saying the truth in love. Right. It either requires uh, a lament, yeah, not a mock, not making a mockery of someone right. else. But you should lament if it's something that you know you mm. know God has promised, and we are thwarting that by just being sinful people, or um, prayer. You know, just pleading with God that mm. it would not be like that. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. We were talking about that on our um, identity retreat mm-hmm. with our kids this weekend. Mm-hmm. So I want to bring that up. Sounds good. Okay. We're going to talk about thankfulness today. Yeah. We're coming, up we're on, coming up on that holiday. The thanks of the giving. The Thanksgiving holiday. And um, it's kind of cliche to do this, but um, you know we're going to get to the heart of the matter. So I think it's going to be super helpful. One we thing. gotta give a shout out to one of our longtime listeners, Tyler Beer, for this topic. Yeah, thanks for giving us the, the idea. idea. Yeah, you gotta give that. You gotta give the shout out. I think we did talk about this before, probably last year, because I remember <laughs> making all those posts. Maybe. But hey, we don't remember, so we'll talk about it differently, possibly. Our minds are, <laughs> your mind's better than mine, obviously, because you squat all the time. But. <laughs> you're just, you're just jealous right now because you're, you're, no, feeling, I told you, you I'm free. Yeah. I'm free from the gym. Mm-hmm. You, you can tell. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> Looks like my shirts are shrinking. I'm getting so buff. Yeah, that's one reason why they could shrink. <laughs> Look at that. You're definitely getting thicker, we'll say. <laughs> no. I don't have a scale in my house, so I really don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. Okay. I thought um, <clears throat> instead of just saying, hey, everybody, don't forget, you know, be thankful this holiday season, you know, be be thankful for everything and Pray all your prayers of thankfulness and praise and realize everything's from God. All that's true, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of cliche. So looking at thankfulness as this is a positive behavior that scripture uh, informs us to be like, but there's got to be something negative that is prohibiting us from doing this. The mm-hmm. antithesis of thankfulness is what do you Grum- think? Grumbling. Grumbling. Yeah, being being not thankful, being... Uh, being the victim of your circumstances, being in, in you know dis- disparaging your your circumstances, or or yeah, just constantly complaining, grumbling, wishing things were different, you know, all those kind of things would be the opposite of being thankful, right? Okay, yeah, I'll buy that. So, <clears throat> so how do these things, this grumbling? Um, what's really the issue going on? Like, what's at the root of grumbling? Why does this yeah. get in the way of thankfulness? Well, we listened to a little uh, 
clip that you sent from Paul Tripp when he talked about this subject. Yeah. And he made, the, he made the point, which I think is right, and we'll look at it in some different scriptures. But really it's an issue of trust in God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. Because if we truly believe in God's sovereignty, if we believe that he is the one who ordains everything in our lives for a purpose, then to grumble would be to grumble against God and not trust his sovereignty. Like that's what it, that's what it comes down to. Right. And, you know, if you don't believe me, look at Philippians four. This is really what Paul's talking about here in this, in this passage, especially when he's addressing things like anxiety. Um, because let me just give the, the setting here. Paul is writing this letter from jail. You know, yeah. his circumstances are not great. And this is his most joyful letter. Right. So this has nothing to do with easy circumstance. And, you know, Paul's life was not one. Once, once he became a believer in Christ and Christ called him into the, you know, the apostleship, it, it got pretty rough ever since for Paul. Right. Um, but he says in verse four of, so chapter four, verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So he begins that when he, he's talking about this area of anxiety, but he's, he begins with rejoice in the Lord always. Again, he repeats himself, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Right there, Paul is speaking about the sovereignty of God. He's saying, always rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is at hand, meaning God is always in control, always in charge of, always ordaining everything that happens. And he's saying that as an apostle in a jail cell, knowing that he's probably going to die for his faith soon. Right. We know that because in the first chapter of Philippians, he says to live as Christ, to die as gain. Yeah. Right? He he does not see his life as something that he is uh, to hold fast to, right? But it's all for the glory of God. So... He begins with teaching us about God's sovereignty in that first charge there. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Yeah. So how can we do that? Well, it's because we believe that God is the one who is ordaining everything in our lives, even the trials, even the hard things, right? Mm-hmm. And we see that in many different places. Go to James 1. says, consider it joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds because it produces steadfastness in your faith. But there's a purpose for the trial, Right. Romans 5 talks about that too, that produces endurance and hope. So there is no circumstance that we should not rejoice in the Lord or be thankful for the day that he's given us. Right. No matter what the circumstances, because these are men who are talking from a place of very hard circumstances, harder than any that you've probably faced. When I like how he ties, basically what's going to stop you from rejoicing Mm -hmm. is anxiety. Yep. Because he says... But what's dude, anxiety come from? Being Wanting to be sovereign. Thinking about yourself, wanting to be in control. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> That's where it comes from. Yeah, so he says, do not be anxious about anything mm-hmm. because he knows that's going to inhibit them from being thanks, thankful mm-hmm. and rejoicing in all things. Right. Go back to Philippians 2.14. He says, do all things without grumbling or disputing mm-hmm. that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. Right. In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Yeah. So the the best way to to glorify God in your life and look different as we should mm-hmm. is to not grumble and to be, and thankful, be thankful. Which requires being not anxious. Yeah. And I and I'm convicted by this. You know, this is something that I'm working on. Uh, this whole thing was geared towards you. So. I am certainly not uh the person who has this down habitually, but just think how many times you go throughout your day and say, ah, I'm tired, you know. I mean, I went through that this morning. 
getting out of bed, I'm not a morning person. Every morning, my, I have this mental game of like, ah, just get up uh, early. I don't feel like it. I mean, I'm complaining for the day even starts. <laughs> Preach it. <laughs> you know, but I have to repent, remind myself, no, I need to get up. I need to spend time with God. You know, and I got to repent in that moment. But I'm starting the day complaining because I want to sleep more. Yeah. Or, ah, uh, traffic stuff. Or, ah, uh, car line. Ah. Uh, Kids, you know, they're annoying me. They're not getting their stuff. You can just, I mean, complaining is so easy because it's so fleshly. Yeah. Like we have to battle that in our flesh. Well, it's like after year after year after year of life kind of being hard, mm-hmm. we just one day just expect that it's all going to be easy. Right. Like, right. <laughs> you think you're going to pop up out of bed and love being awake and not even need yeah. coffee and just you yeah. skim your whole Bible in an hour and your kids are going to be perfect. And yeah, that's a fantasy. That's right. Not, not true. I think that's what, like, we expect, though. Right. Um, but I will say, you know, because I've, I've been, I went to quick to Philippians 4 because I've used this a lot in counseling for others who struggle with these same things. So I, I try to always practice what I preach and learn from what I'm saying. And um, when I feel that way, I try to go to the mental thought of, this is the day that the Lord has given me. Like, I need to see, I need to be faithful today, Matthew 6. I need to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Like, this is the day that I'm, I'm given by God's grace. Right. Right. And that does change my attitude. And that's what Paul is saying here. Going in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Don't forget that part. Being thankful for the things you can be thankful for. Make your request be made known to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and the key here, your minds in Christ Jesus, because it takes us back to the truth of the gospel and the truth of God's sovereignty when we do that. Mm-hmm. And then he follows that up with, here's what to think about. Here's what to set your mind on. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And then he says, and when we practice these things, the God of peace will be with you. Right? So we have, we have responsibility for what we believe and think about. That's where worship happens. We, we can't control our circumstances. Yeah. I mean, obviously being faithful, sowing good seeds, that definitely sets up circumstances but there's a lot of things in our life that we have no idea what's coming we have zero control god's in control of all things right so to think about the things you can't control will only create a sinful grumbling heart Mm -hmm. but when we put our minds on christ the truth of his character the truth of his sovereignty and we seek to worship him and we think about whatever we can think about that's good i can think about anything on either side. What I mean by that is, I could think about my wife. I could think about all the things that I see in her that's good and and honoring to God and how she cares for me. Or I can think about the one or two things that I wish that she would do different. Right. And I could dwell on either side of that and well, then I remember, completely uh, change my attitude towards her. Don Rose was saying, like, once you do that, once you see one or two things, mm-hmm. you're going to start seeing three or four. Five or for six. Sure. Because Seven, we're eight. sinful. That There are things... That are wrong, yeah. In everyone, mm-hmm. right? I could think about, I could think about you, Josh. You could think about me. I could, I mean, anything we could think. You could think about me. Toby Keith. You kind of look like Toby Keith, actually, with the mullet, the curly hair. He's got you know thick curly hair. Yeah, uh-huh. you, know? you could, you could tell. Anyway, off topic. Thanks, man. You could be a Toby next year, Halloween. Toby, I Keith. appreciate that. You just need to grow out the back a little bit more so you got a little curly mullet going. And that's that's when you'll have it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, back to it. Um, but that's my point is circumstances are just an opportunity to grow our hearts. And that's what trials do. Yeah. When we see a circumstance, it presses out what's inside and we got a choice. Repent and believe and have faith. And that will change our attitudes. It'll change how we feel. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Like when there's something really hard's going down, Paul's writing this from a jail cell, and jail cells in that area were not nice. Not nowhere near as nice as the ones we have now. No, they weren't AC'd. <laughs> and so he's sitting there saying, "Man, when you just think about what's true about God and rejoice in the Lord always, like I'm here." And he starts out the, the whole letter with, 
hey, I'm in jail, but I'm sharing the gospel and the guards are starting to, you know, hear the gospel and it's starting to go out. He's rejoicing in what's true. Like that's, that's the opportunity that he had. That's true. And because of that, he had peace that surpasses all understanding. Paul should not be having peace in this moment if it had anything to do with the circumstances. Right. Um, I like first Corinthians 10, 10. He says, um, we must not put mm-hmm. Christ to the test as some of them did. Speaking of the Israelites yeah. as they were led out of Egypt, um, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Yeah. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. Yeah. And so everyone can look back on the Israelites' journey out of Egypt, uh-huh. through the Red Sea, through the desert. You got, I mean, dude, the miracles are uh-huh. abounding. Oh, yeah. Literally falling from heaven, literally. <laughs> He's feeding them from the sky. <laughs> and yet, every time a trial comes, they grumble. Every time. And so we see that, and we can't say how could they, because we're the same exactly. people. Exactly, exactly. And so it's so obvious to see, and it just says, written down for our instruction. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in our life, the same thing is happening. God is great is thy faithfulness. We'll sing that hymn. Right. And then, you know, we're doing that every, we're like picking a, a hymn a month to like memorize as a family. And so that's been our hymn. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I heard this morning driving in was like, we'll sing that hymn and then we'll immediately forget it mm-hmm. when God chooses to be faithful to us in his own way. Yeah. Right? Like his faithfulness may not meet our expectations mm-hmm. because, you know, we're foolish and we right. don't, his ways are not our ways. And so we have to look at the Israelites mm-hmm. and say, okay, whatever's happening in my life right now is yeah. a trial that he's given me. I should rejoice in it. Right. I only got to do this for one day and then his mercies are new tomorrow. Right. And the truth of the matter is, even if God met your circumstances exactly how you wanted him to meet those circumstances, it would not be good enough for you. Like when your heart is not reflecting upon his glory and worshiping him, him giving you everything that you want still would not satisfy. If my you. kids behaved perfectly, I'd immediately go to the next thing. Yeah. Because typically the reason I get angry at their behavior is because it's getting in the way of something else I want anyway. Mm-hmm. So that's the right. the quickest way to humility is realizing, right. oh, I just want what I want. It's so funny how it's kind of like that frog in the pot, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like you, you, sit, you tell yourself. How do you yourself, get there anyway? Who, well, who put them there? Right. It's gross. But if you think about it, it's like, okay, you know, maybe maybe I'm a college student and I don't have a job yet. And I, All right, if I just get the job I'm looking for, this amount per year, and a wife, man, I'll be set. Yeah. And then you get those things. And now it's, man, if if we just had, you know, a bigger house, if we every time what you thought you needed to be satisfied, no longer satisfied, and now you set a new goal of what would satisfy you. Yeah, Spurgeon said, if you're not happy with what you have, double it, you wouldn't be any happier. No. Uh, O.P. Diddy was right. More money, more problems, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's true, though. I mean, how come, I mean, look at every celebrity, like, go just read, read interviews for, like, for one day. Ain't none of them happy. Right. Actually, yeah. I don't like this guy, Dan Blazarian, or however you say his name, but he was on Rogan talking about how how much unhappier he is now that he's wealthy. Yeah. And he breaks it down. He's like, dude, when I didn't have anything, a nice night out was, you know, 60 bucks. Right. And I was like, oh, wow, that was good food. Yeah. But now, a nice night out, I got to fly to, you know, where I got to fly to LA and have the best restaurant. So now that $60 meal makes me less happy. Yeah. Or if I just have to stay in an average hotel, I'm less happy because I stay in nicer hotels. Right. So it takes more to make him happy. Mm-hmm. So he's unhappier than normal. Right. And if you want a good study on this, go study the book Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. <laughs> 2, 1 through 11. Yeah. Cause that's exactly what Solomon's talking about. The they dude. do build houses. He had everything. Everything you could possibly want under the sun. Orchards. He had it in droves and got it in droves. Everything he touched turned to gold. Other nations were coming to him for advice. Well, silver, because silver was more... Whatever. Uh, more you, get, you get the point. Important back then. Valuable. Girls had it. Money had it. Food had it. Nice house had it. Wine. 
I mean, you name it, he had it. He said he drank wine to cheer himself, and he could still, like, basically he was trying to hide the pain with the wine, and he could still, he still had enough wisdom to be like, this This is is pointless. (laughs) Which, like, I can relate to that, like, being in a bar, Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, yeah drink your problems away but still in the back of your mind you know this is not actually helping yeah like you're still there yeah. sober you still there saying this is miserable right so anyway point of all this is thankfulness really comes from worship and so if you are someone who regularly grumbles and complains what that is really revealing about your heart is you're someone who does not trust in the goodness and the sovereignty of god yeah. That's what it reveals. I would point to Matthew 6, 25 through 34. 34. Mm-hmm. And I heard Ed Welch say this, and he, um, who's like my favorite right now, he's the man. Um, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. What you will eat or what you will drink, not about your body, what you will put on is not life more than food. And then this is what Ed Welch says. He's like, and then Jesus takes them through a walk through nature. Yep. He says, look at the birds, look at the grass, look at the flowers. Yeah. And so this idea of like, one, walking with Jesus, which the relationship there that should satisfy the worship you're mm-hmm. talking about, mm-hmm. but also just seeing the way he's like, he's not saying all of these things in nature are, you know, completely joyful and happy in their circumstances. He's saying they don't have to worry about them, right? right. We don't have to be anxious about what will come this is not a health and wealth prosperity gospel like oh you'll get everything you ever wanted no no no. it's just whatever you do get is god's will and you can rejoice in that Mm -hmm. and uh yeah so i like i like that like matthew 6 for that and just the idea of like okay if this is a habit that we want to create in ourselves Mm -hmm. it's going to take a while right yeah but do what paul says in philippians 4 think about these things whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is lovely right anything worthy of praise like just set your mind upon the lord which starts with reading his word and looking around and trying to see how you see god moving and working in your life and how you see good things in the midst of struggles Mm -hmm. focus on what's true not what's a lie we we live in a world full of lies Mm -hmm. that's satan is the father of lies our flesh lies to us all the time. Our emotions are deceitful. James or uh, Jeremiah seventeen, right? There's nothing more deceitful than the heart of man. Like, don't focus on lies, but focus on the truth, right? And look for the truth in every way. Yeah, I would say because as I've been walking through this anger book, which is like short little meditations on anger, I've realized, oh, this is a long term habitual change that you need to change so one of the things i've been saying when i start to get angry is and it's towards my kids have i trained them right so it's like this little trigger uh thought that comes in that reminds me to oh this is my responsibility Mm -hmm. to train them or do they need grace right so those are the two things i think of well i think in this the the go-to can be like what did i expect right when something happens Mm -hmm. that you're starting to grumble like, what did I really expect to happen? Right. Right? And where maybe your expectations are off. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's what I would recommend. What yeah. do you think? I think it's good. Like, how do you create this behavior? I mean, you said it. Yeah. Think of these things that are good and true and beautiful. And the other thing is also true. If we understand that our our actions always reveal what we believe, and if our actions are to grumble, which we know are wrong, then we should start by asking, why am I grumbling? What am I believing? And repent at the belief level, renew our mind in Christ, renew our mind in what's true. Think about the passages we've talked about and begin to trust the Lord and begin to seek him and be thankful for what he's given you. And the peace of God, that's the promise, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. Yeah, It's amazing when you start thinking about everything you see God doing, all of a sudden you're just like, you know what, I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know, this is good, you know. And I've had to learn that the hard way this year it's been it's been really great you know and and i believe what the bible says which is trials and you know those things are there to make us more holy more christ-like preparing us for future things and um i mean this year candidly every month i've wondered if i would get paid Mm -hmm. or how would i provide for my family for the whole year and a lot of times that created some anxiety right 
you know, wanting Nehemiah Project to succeed, wanting to keep doing what we're doing, wanting to provide for my family. Those are all real genuine concerns, right? Um, But just constantly coming back to, all right, God, you've given us today, and I want to be faithful and thankful today and learning to rest in today and every time. And I was prepared to do whatever I needed to do, but every time the Lord showed up, every time enough was there. And, And I've learned to be thankful not in getting to a certain point or place, but just today he's given me this opportunity to invest here. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to do my best and be, and be joyful in that. That's what I know I have. Yeah. And it really does create peace, you know, because I've had people ask me, like, how are you so peaceful not knowing what's going to happen? Well, if the Lord wants this, he's going to provide for it. And all I can really do is be faithful today mm-hmm. <laughs> and seek to serve him and be faithful. And, um, and that being anxious about it doesn't change it. Yeah. Right? The thing that actually changes it is being faithful. Right. <laughs> so, Which anxiety just prohibits you from being faithful because exactly. you're fearful. Exactly. So, you know, the Lord's grown that in me. And uh, I really am at a place now where I'm like, man, I'm grateful, thankful. If the Lord took this away today, I'd, I'd say, you know what? Thank you, Lord. And that was a good run <laughs> we had, you know. Right. Um, now what do you want to do? Yeah, now do you want me, right? like, do you want me to do now? <laughs> you know. Um, or if he continues to provide and and allow us to do what we he's put on our hearts to do, then praise God for that too. Right. But the truth is I can't find my hope in those things either because even if he gives me everything that I'm hoping for, those are going to have its own struggles. Yeah. So my hope now should be my same hope wherever I'm at next. Even if, even if he were to give us so much success and platforms and that we couldn't even dream of, the key to peace is no different than what I'm doing right now. Right. And I think that's what God's been teaching me. Cause if he were to grow us or, or anything, like I need to be able to handle that. Yeah. And the way you handle it is, not finding your worth in it. Right. True growth happens when the conditions are right, which requires mm-hmm. a, a peaceful, uh, dependent, mm-hmm. faithful laborer. Right. And that's been my prayer recently. It's like, Lord, whatever you do, if you were to to bless us in, in these ways, help me not forget this lesson. Help me always find my peace in you and not, not my circumstances or or what platform you would give me. Right. Right. So. That's good, man. Thanks for sharing that. It's been good. All right. Well, hopefully this leads you into a very thankful. Right. Non-grumbling. And eat you some turkey. Take a nap. (laughs) What do you, well, in this way, what what do you look forward to the most with Thanksgiving dinner? Um, Like the meal. What's your favorite? I don't know. You don't have like a certain dish. It's like oh, every year I look forward to this dish. Not really. I'm always unsatisfied, <laughs> so I don't look forward to it. So, I don't look so forward to many needs, things. Someone needs to learn thankfulness. <laughs> I mean, I'm thankful for today. I'm thankful for like the coffee I had on the way over here. I don't need much. Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful for a lot of things at Thanksgiving, but for me, I love the turkey, gravy, and mashed potatoes. You so if me- you could get one thing, what would you get? If only one, yes. probably turkey with gravy. Oh, that's two things. But I mean, but it's kind of the, it's kind of one and the same. Meaning, like, I don't like turkey. But that's my favorite. You know, if you had nothing else at Thanksgiving, if you just had good mashed potatoes, gravy, and turkey. Your boy's happy. Man, I just I'm drawing a blank right now, trying to think of the one thing I'd get. It may be a dessert. To be honest, that's fine. You can have a dessert. Yeah, that I may can be just. Thing. I may just get a. Apple pie. Since you got gravy, I'm gonna get some ice cream on my apple pie. So we're like putting them together for our meal. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I like. You I like, did it. So I like apple pie with ice cream. We'll put them together and we'll have a Thanksgiving meal. I think that's what I'm doing. <laughs> it's got to be Dutch, though. Oh, now we're getting really specific. <laughs> well, someone's gonna bring a Dutch pie, you know. Yeah. No, that's good though. That's where all the great reformers came from. I'm just trying to help get us in the thankful mood of the the holiday. Yeah. I'm excited to be honest. This is crazy. I'm most excited about helping my wife and kids set up for uh, Christmas. Really? Set up, you know, like do the tree. Oh, I love that too. Yeah, that's. But remember, that's that's post. Although I'm breaking my own rule, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm outing myself here. My wife asked me this. So I'm being a servant here, 
but it's circumstantial because we're going to Florida for uh, Thanksgiving. So we won't be here that normally the Saturday after Thanksgiving is when we do that. Yeah. We won't be here. And then the next Saturday is, is the Nehemiah Project banquet right? uh, next weekend. And so she's like, can we do it this weekend? Same here. Since we're leaving. And I said, you know what? Since we're, you know, cause I love that day. Cause we do, uh, you know, I'll go down a rabbit hole, but we make it a, it's a whole You guys event. can sign off now. We're just going to keep yeah, rambling. We're just having a, <laughs> we're being thankful. <laughs> I hope this helps you be thankful about your traditions. <laughs> but um we do a whole day. You know, Marie makes appetizers. We got music playing, you know, putting the tree up. We watch a Christmas movie afterwards. So it's a whole, like, family experience. So mm-hmm. I, I really love that day. It's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, man. I'm excited about that, which is different. But Yeah. It's a different weekend than we normally do. We're right? going for okay. two weeks during Christmas. So we're doing it early because we want to enjoy it longer. Yeah. When I say we, I mean the kids and Brett. Yeah. But hey. But that's cool. You're being thankful to, to help, be a help. Yeah, like to serve. I love to serve and help. And I know that they really love that. So I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'll help you do that. So you can kind of get in that mindset. I like that. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't do anything for me, though. But whatever is true, whatever's lovely, you're, you're finding the thing that's true and lovely. I like it. Yeah, service. That's right. It's true loveliness. Not a tree with lights on it. That's just silliness. Some people enjoy the tree, Josh. It's going to burn, man. Let people have what they're thankful for. I found out. So the person that sold us our house, yeah, they left the Christmas tree with the house. Because it's giant, right? It's massive. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't fit in any other house than our house or another big house like mm-hmm. our house. We just have high ceilings because we've got no attic. Anyways, Britt was at the pool store. They also do Christmas trees. And he's like, oh, you live at that house on that road? I delivered a tree there. And Britt was like, oh, yeah, we love that tree. He's like, yeah, it was like $1,500. Wow. So we have a $1,500 tree. It's ridiculous. For free. You could buy a car for that for a college student used to, or an adult. Used to be able to do that. I could find one. Yeah, it might not run. Arden could find one. That Arden, could yeah, find Arden a could. deal. Arden could. <laughs> he He's... may drive to Montana to get it, <laughs> but he'll get but it. He'll find it. <laughs> All right. I guess people are done with our stuff. But hey, be thankful. <laughs> be thankful this these holidays. This time of celebration and feasting is a time to be thankful to the Lord and to love the friends and the people and the family. Don't grumble around you. So don't grumble. Be alive. You don't have anything to say. Shut up. <laughs> I mean, anything nice to say, don't grumble. Okay. That's right. We done. Later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Change Up Podcast. This podcast is made possible by The Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. If you don't have a home church, please come check us out. We have service times at 845 and 1045 on Sundays, and you can find more information at thefieldnola.com. If you found this podcast to be helpful, please share it with a friend or family member and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. This helps other people just like you find us.